Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome to Bastards and Broken Things, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast by the Fan Critical Network. Yeah, very good. This is our final podcast covering Game of Thrones, the show Game of Thrones, not the books, just the show. Um, So today I'm joined by Emma, representing uh, House Arryn. I was trying to get you out from doing that. Yeah, the Liza, Liza Arryn of our group. And to be fair... Looking at Robin last week, it looks like your breastfeeding of him has worked very well. Dash, dashing young man. Don't want to be his mum, though. Well, you're also out the moon door. I also joined uh, <laughs> by uh, Lucy, representing House Stark. I can't believe I got Stark out of what everyone else got. Yeah, no, it's it true. shows how much you really do treasure our friendship, Lynn. Yeah, very, very good point. And uh, this shows how much I treasure uh, mine and Gareth's <laughs> friendship. Uh, this is House Tully with Gareth. Yeah, well, the thing is, <laughs> no, we became a big player in the end. Uncle, please. Yeah, Edmure. I'll sit. I'll sit down. Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, John and House Tarly cannot be with us. He's still raging, Uh, so he's locked himself at Horn Hill, eating lots of lamprey pies and lemon cakes to get over his sadness. Some call it a shame spiral, but to be honest, I would love a lemon cake round about now. So they're my favourite as well. That that that's why you start because you know Sansa loves those lemon cakes. She really loves those things. And hosting today is. Little finger, yay! <laughs> yes, the puppet master, um, controlling controlling everything. So yeah. Anyway, we're here for one last time. Um, well, at least for a while to discuss the Game of Thrones finale, how it ended, and what we think about the show as a whole. Not only that, we'll be talking about our favourite episodes, what we would change, as well as what you listeners would change. So feedback is going to be a very important part of this podcast. In fact, it's actually the main bulk of this podcast, so do stick around for that. You might get a little mention if you've sent us anything and any of your thoughts uh, on the finale and the show as a whole. But first of all, I think it's important that we have a quick recap Uh, on the finale we purposefully did not record this podcast for about two weeks so we could sit on what we'd seen and come back refreshed uh, with a new take on it potentially and you know famously we record our podcast straight after watching the show so you get our live reactions you get everything and sometimes it's quite emotional um, and we haven't had time to really digest what we've seen so now we have had time to digest what we've seen maybe some Mm -hmm. of us have watched it multiple times has anyone's opinions changed? Gareth, have your, have your thoughts over there in Australia changed on the finale? We were quite scathing of the finale and the way that they wrapped up the show. Do you, have you seen it again? Have your thoughts evolved? 
on the matter. No, it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Next. It, I actually, I think, <laughs> I think actually I've, I've become more angry at it since. Um, yeah, just rubbish, like a, a poor sitcom version at times. Um, and and again, it's a shame because they showed for the first 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes of that episode that they still do know what they're doing. They can still make a, a brilliant TV show and they just decided to make it the comic relief version instead. So, no, mate, I'm I'm still very unhappy with, with the final episode. Uh, any of the ladies here, the ladies of Westeros, um, you know, what are your thoughts? Any, you know, Emma, you weren't here for the finale podcast. I was not. Did you enjoy it? No, not really. Um, well, no, that's not true. So I kind of said this in the, the couple of episodes prior to the finale that I'd gotten to the point where I thought if I'm not going to enjoy it for its adaptation of the material, I'm going to just enjoy it for a spectacle. Um, so I I would have liked it to have been better and obviously it should have been, but I was okay with like with some of it. Um, I was okay with kind of the the fates of some people or the way things ended. Um, I mean, overall, it was shit, totally shit, and I'm furious with it. But I've sort of just let it go now because I don't like to harbour a grudge. Mm. <laughs> nice, that's nice of you. I mean, Liza Aaron's very, you know, she, she definitely holds a grudge, if anything. Yeah, Murdered her own husband. Game of Thrones of you. Not very Game of Thrones of you at all. <laughs> Lucy, you hated it. Yeah. Still hate it. Yeah, I mean, I gave it three blueberries. <laughs> yeah, that was um, quite generous, actually. Yeah, it was. Um, I think for me, as I said in the podcast, the damage was done in the preceding two episodes, so that's where my real anger lay. Mm. <clears throat> um, but yeah, the more you talk about it, the more you um, think about it, the worse it does get, unfortunately. So I would probably knock a blueberry off for that. A whole blueberry? Yeah, well, there can only be holes. Well, I would actually... Uh, I watched it. Uh, two more times, and I actually left it a week or so after watching, after recording and editing the podcast. And if you uh, give this five bloobs, no, def- furious, definitely no. not. Uh, but I did find it better on multiple viewings than the first time. Really? Not to say that I still was massively disappointed, but I was a lot more emotive towards certain scenes than I was when I initially watched it. Mainly the the John and Danny scene in the throne room, I actually liked a lot more second time round. Uh, I still love the first 15, 20 minutes. I think all the imagery is good there, like we said in the podcasts previously, like Gaz just mentioned there. Mm. I think that stuff's really good. Um, I think the bullet points and the general endings for the characters, I actually don't have a problem with anymore. Well, I, that's I, how I felt when I first watched it. So I'm okay yeah. with the ending. I just want the flesh of it. Yeah, I think that's it. It just needs to be fleshed out better. Obviously, the books will get that. We'll have the internal, you know, discussions in the characters minds going on so we'll know a lot more about what they're actually thinking and I don't mind John you know having this tragic storyline and, and going beyond the wall I don't mind Sansa being queen in the north I think that's that's mm. a very good progression for her character and especially the way that Danny goes in terms of a strong female character turning to like the dark side I think that's a and the book is pro-feminist in a way you know with these strong female characters there needs to be a happy ending for one of them one of them needs to be successful and Yeah, Sansa, I'm absolutely fine with that. Arya doing her own thing and exploring, also don't have a problem with. I just don't like the fact that she's going west of Westeros. I hated that line, hated it. (laughs) Well, yeah. Bran being king is okay, but I think it was completely um, sort of not shown in the right light by the show because Bran, and we'll get this in feedback as well from Mm. a couple of comments talking about Bran, but 
he he could be if you look at this and, and the things that he's done this season because he's not really been shown that much. It's like, what was he doing during the, you know, the Night King battle? What was he doing there? Like, just walking off, doing stuff. He knew that Danny was probably going to burn everyone, right? He knew that was going to happen. He knew that he was going to be king. It's got a very sinister edge to it, especially when you consider that he's not really Bran Stark anymore and he's technically this otherworldly being. It's got a really sinister edge. And the show played it like like it was a, a comedy. Like, why do you think I came all this way? <laughs> That's actually a very dark and sinister line and could have some serious connotations. Like, as a ruler, mm. he knows everything. Like, he, yeah. it, that doesn't necessarily yeah. make him a good king. It would be very, very easy for him to turn bad. Exactly. It's very easy for him to turn bad, good or and bad no one would ever be able to stop him because of the stuff that he knows and the ways he can manipulate people and stuff. So... I thought it was actually quite a sinister ending um, that I felt the show didn't articulate. Well, I just think they missed the, the note with that. I, that's I really, interesting. No, I really... that's the thing. They, it's, it's, it's like they, they themselves don't understand the implications of it. Yeah. And they don't understand the implications of, of Bran having seen or being able to see what's, what's likely to happen. That, that suggests that he orchestrated everything. Exactly. <laughs> like, this, was, this was all his plan the whole time. It could, could go very Orwellian from this point, couldn't it? Also, the implication of him being able to walk into whoever he wants. He's on the search for Drogon. Like that, what, is he going to bring Drogon back and control him? Like, yeah, it is exactly. sinister. But they they ruined it. And I think the build-up with Bran um, last season, I think it was last season when he was talking about John, like he's the heir to the Iron Throne, we have to tell him. Yeah. And then it's like, naturally, I'm going to be king. It's stupid the way it's all been done. It's yeah, it kind of feels they zigged and zagged on that because they did build it up like, you know, yeah, John is the rightful king. And then now Bran's like, yeah, I knew I was always going to be mm. king. And it's just like, well, that's a bit I bizarre. I don't want anything yet. Yes, I do want this. That's why I came here. I think they that just missed the sense. nuance of it. And and that's the thing that we've missed so much in this season in general is, is the nuances behind the bullet points. You know, there is so much more to it and that just did not come across. Because mm. I, I didn't get any of that really in the in the last episode bearing in mind I haven't talked about this um, but in hindsight all of those things they are creepy as fuck You're yeah right, it's creepy man. totally creepy it's really as fuck. creepy like, messed up the to- tone the tone was all over the place in that episode and that's the big mm. issue we had with it as well and, and you know David and Dan um, the showrunners they're not really good directors. If you look at some of the episodes they've directed, they're, they're kind of all over the place at times. And the writing was all over the place. And they wrote and directed this episode. And I think you could tell tonally it was all over the mm. it was all over the gaff. And um, it was like three episodes crammed into one. You know, they even had like a fade to black in the middle, and then the epilogue section began. It was it was just bizarre. More time needed, more nuance. Um, but some of you listeners did enjoy it, and we'll get onto that feedback later. And we'll, there's some counter arguments there, which are going to be very interesting. Uh, we're going to move on to the bulk of the main podcast now, which is feedback and some of our favourite moments from the show ever. Uh, but before we do that, a quick advert. Kill the boy, John Snow. Winter is almost upon us. Kill the boy. And let the man be born. Hello, yes, it's the final advert for the Bastards and Broken Things channel for a very long time. And as that is the case, I implore you to go and subscribe to our other podcast channels, mainly Fan Critical, which you can find on any podcast app, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere where you find podcasts, basically. That is where everything we do is released. So... 
if you want to follow things like Black Mirror, which we're going to be covering in the next few weeks, the new season five trailer looked amazing. Three new episodes of Black Mirror coming on Netflix. We'll be covering that. Stranger Things at the start of July. We'll be covering that season as well. Very much looking forward to Stranger Things season three. Mm. That's what we started podcasting with as well as Game of Thrones. So very excited to get the gang back together on that one. Anything like that, all of our main content, please do subscribe to Fan Critical. Just go and do it right now. Just quickly type it into iTunes or whatever, go on to it, and um, that's right. Subscribe, yes, subscribe, thank you. Not only that, this channel is not going to be dead forever. Uh, What is dead may may never die. die. Very good, Lucy, Mm. yeah, both on the same wavelength there. Um, This will turn into a channel for the prequel series, which is coming out called, well, rumoured to be called Game of Thrones Blood Moon, which is set 8,000 years before the events of the current events that we've been following, following the Night King and his first assault on the land of the living, which, as we know, doesn't go well for him, but somehow he survives. And there's a very interesting story there. So that'll be out next year. And this channel will be covering that. Worst of Netflix is also coming out on our main fan critical channel. That's where John and Gareth scour Netflix for the worst properties possible. Their next uh, title they've been doing is called Baby Geniuses. Apparently it's god awful. (laughs) Uh, That will also be out later uh, this week and we have a patreon please do sponsor us on there if you want to you know have a bit more of a dialogue with us uh, we will give you a shout out on the podcast not only that there are different tiers you get access to our cast episodes where we recast famous films with new actors and um you know sometimes there's little rules that we put in so we did avengers with only 90s actors and stuff like that very funny very good you can also commission your own podcast and be a guest once a month on the podcast of your choosing that is mental crazy crazy so you know go check that out that is patreon.com forward slash fan critical patreon.com forward slash fan critical now let's jump into our favorite moments of game of thrones ever i have a tender spot in my heart cripples bastards and broken things okay let's kick off with a discussion and what we love about the show, because I know we've been a bit down on the finale and the way it ended, but let's face facts, for at least six, maybe six and a half seasons, it's one of the best shows ever ever made, right? And it's got some mm. of the most interesting characters, most fascinating moments, most, you know, eye-widening spectacles that you're ever going to see on television. Yeah. So I think we'll kick off with our favourite episode ever. And we'll go around the room and discuss why what you know what episode we thought individually was best and why we think it's the best so i'll kick off with gareth house tully um could it be the red wedding for you mate because you know your house was almost obliterated there um the red wedding is unbelievable i remember when i first read the red wedding and it's just one of those moments where that doesn't happen that often but where you're reading a book and your heart is just pounding um and every single line is dripping with suspense and and terror and fear for for some of your favorite characters you know at this point in the books we'd lost ned stark spoiler warning but um other than <laughs> that like the the major major deaths like that wasn't really a, a huge thing i think mm. it was it was this moment that that makes everybody go oh god game of thrones they just they kill off everyone's favorite characters and the the way that it's described in the book it's just incredible isn't it like yeah um the, there's there's something so visual about um about about how it's written mm. and you feel like you're there and you feel like you can hear the drums and 
um there's like this this the music that that that's happening in the background i remember when she says about noticing um Bruce Bolton's wearing chainmail when she like touches his arm. It's just that fear. You're like, oh, oh my god, fuck, which, what is happening? Which is expertly done in the episode yeah, as well. Really. It's it's an incredible bit of writing. Like one of one of the favorite my favorite things I've ever read. Even though it's absolutely devastating as well. And so then we had to wait a couple of years for that to happen in the show. And you sort of you you're a little bit apprehensive about how they're going to handle it. And they absolutely nailed it in the show. Like it is perfect. It's exactly how I imagined it. Yeah, mm. and but they did double down on the stabbing of a pregnant woman, though, which which I I felt like I felt mm. I, oh, God, my only yeah, criticism of the episode, and I remember watching it with you, Gareth, when we used to live together in um, Southwest London, and we had some people <laughs> over who Give were watching up, it with us. Address. We had some people over watching it with us who you know we knew what was going to happen. We knew what was going to happen, mm. and it's that moment where you had those videos where ev- everyone was filming everyone else seeing their reaction to what just happened in that episode. And it was, everyone was stunned. I just felt they went a bit too far with the stabbing of Talisa because, I mean, Jane Westerling in in, in the books isn't present yeah. At, yeah. The, at the Red Wedding. So there's still, she's still sort of around the Riverlands area, mm. uh, pregnant with Rob's child, you know, as, as we're led to believe. But in the show, they doubled down and they went on the horror of literally there is a very, very... One of the most visceral things I've ever seen is that one of the Frey soldiers grabbing a knife and stabbing the pregnant woman's belly, Talisa's belly. And it's it's horrendous. Yeah, it's unnecessary, really. I felt they didn't need to do that because I felt that the scene enough was shocking with the raids of Castamere come on and, you know, just the slaughtering of of all of these men brutally. Um, I just felt that the... it was too visceral at that point. I know what you mean, um, but I, I've, I've thought about that, and I think it was. <clears throat> it's maybe in addition to let not not to allow, but like to give book readers a moment of shock as well. Yeah, in that episode, because yeah. well, like we knew said, she was dead. Yeah. We knew she was going to die, just not like that. But yeah, I mean, but Shonley's, um, hopefully, for most of them, wouldn't wouldn't have known what was going to happen. So that moment the the whole scene would have just been unbelievably devastating yeah and shocking yeah whereas for us like still an amazing scene to watch but we but we knew what was happening we didn't know that that was going to happen and so i think they were maybe trying to trying to shock us as well yeah which they did to be fair yeah all right throwing it to lucy next favorite episode favorite favorite sort of moment episode thing um it's really difficult obviously because so many good episodes and so many of them There'll be good moments in the episode and then the rest of it maybe doesn't live up to it. But I, the one I've chosen is The Mountain and the Viper. Oh, mm. I, I think that's very yeah. left field yeah. choice. I I, I, Do you reckon? I, I felt they, they fucked that up a little bit, but yeah. Oh, oh they nah, did. They I liked of, it. I liked it. I liked it. Look, they I, fucked it up a bit with Jamie and... Um, was it in that episode? Jamie and No, you're thinking Tyrion's of the Tyrion clunk, chunk, clunk, clunk oh, yeah. scene. Um, <laughs> I just love it. And it's also not only... I think everybody loved Oberyn so much and I think it just is everything that's good about Game of Thrones and you've also got in the same episode Danny discovering Jorah's betrayal. Yeah. Yeah, that's true actually. It, it is a good episode. It is a very mm. good episode and look, once again, the end of that is shocking. Yeah, horrific death. Once mm. again watching it with people Oof. the unsullied, the Shonleys who who didn't know what was going to happen and just that like noise, well. the noise, the scream that Oberyn Ooh. makes and the noise, the, 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 the sound, the sound designer, and then Ugh. Alaria's scream—it is 
fucking horrendous. What I love most about, well, not most, but there is quite a lot of callbacks because of Oberyn talking about um, like what Tywin was like, what yeah. happened to his sister, yeah. what happened to the, the children, which yeah. links in with Danny as well. And you don't get much of that towards the end of the, mm. the series, is the seasons, about what things were like before and it's the nuance, the history that mm. precedes what we're seeing now. And I, that's another reason I think obviously Oberyn's a great character and he became a real fan oh, favourite in one season. He's a fan favourite in the um, books as well, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I just, yeah, I, it was really difficult actually. I would talk between that and the, the bear and the maiden. Um, but that that episode has Theon being castrated, and that's yeah, all a bit much a bit for weird. me. So, well, that's actually my favourite episode. Oh, the sorry, bear and the Maiden Fair. No, no, no I know. Well, that I, seems, I, segues nice into you. I yours. thought not uh, planned. It's a little bit yeah. left field, but I was think, trying to think about you know what are the things that really stick out in my mind, and for me, it's it's that scene, and it, you know, it is actually. Theon losing his knob, you know, and it's and it's awful, but it sets up so <laughs> many other things and so many characters, like character developments, like Brienne and Jamie and all the stuff like mm. that. That actually, for me, it's a really memorable one. Yeah, and I wasn't as huge a fan of the Red Wedding. I think because it had had such an impact on me in the book that it could never live up to that. I mean, it was still a great episode, and think you know there are other ones that I'm sure one of them will come up in Len's favourite um, that are amazing. But for me, that's the one that I remember really vividly, and it yeah, was when same. I was fully in love with the show, mm. when it could do no wrong in my eyes. Yeah, I, I think mm. that is an interesting choice of episode in terms of the Theon stuff. I, I think they went too far with the torturing of Theon. Yeah. The beauty of it in the books, yeah. and for anyone who's not read the books, I'm not going to spoil what happens. You know you know what happens because you've seen the show now, but you don't actually hear from Theon at all for books, for books and books. You know, There's about mm. two books, we don't hear from him. Um, and then you see this character chapter heading called Reek, and then you start realising, oh my God, this is Theon. Which but was amazing. It, it doesn't take, you know, so you miss all the torturing that's gone on. The years of torturing, the years of, of him being subjected mm. to horrors that we can't imagine. And not knowing what went on is kind of more terrifying than actually knowing what went on. Um, yeah. So that was my only downside with that, that season was too much Theon. <laughs> Can I just take a step back quickly? Just because um, Emma and Len, you both said that you didn't love um, the mountain and the viper. What, what, what didn't you like about it? What what didn't work? Um, what what didn't work for me personally is, and I know that you, you won't like this, Gareth, when I say this. I thought the martial arts style, and this is very geeky and fussy. It was very capoeira. <laughs> I it just it didn't feel <laughs> yeah. like the the Oberyn in the books is just a bit different. Is is sort of martial arts style. It, it feels a lot more tailored um, to sort of a medieval setting and less, you know, and and also. I just felt like it felt a bit rushed. And like, even though we said about the nuances about understanding what Tywin ordered the mountain to do to the children, I don't think that came across 100%. I think that comes across for book True, readers. Yeah. I don't think it comes across, I don't think it was seeded well enough. Potentially. Um, mm. I still think it's an excellent episode. And I said the ending, that I still hear those noises at night, you know, when I'm having yeah. nightmares. Um, <laughs> yeah, you need help, mate. Yeah, yeah. See yeah. Yourself, I'm just saying help. that. But for me, what they didn't nail it. They didn't nail that moment. I thought the Red Wedding, they kind of nailed. I thought, you know, one of my favourite episodes, I'll move on to mine. I'm, I'm not going to choose two because it's a toss up. It's a toss you up. You can't choose two. You're not allowed I'm not to, choosing then. two. I'm giving a special mention to choose Baylor, me. which... Hey, that's choosing two. You've basically. chosen two. No, that's my special mention. I'm the host. I'm Littlefinger. I'm allowed oh, to do what it. I want. I'll do what I want. Uh, I'll give a mention to, to Baylor because that is the episode that really captured 
my imagination with the show and just that idea that, you know, I love watching TV and we love watching TV together and talking about it and talking about films and twists and shocks and all this sort of stuff. But I don't, I think that's when sort of it killed my childlike view of television, that episode, <laughs> um, that idea that some your favourite characters will be I saved. Mean, Sean Bean, you know yeah, it's going to go. Yeah, but when we were a bit younger, this was nine years ago. <laughs> this is nine years ago, or like, you know, almost a decade ago. And Shit, yeah, I, I was remember, 21. Yeah, I remember watching, biggest, watching that. He was the biggest actor in it as well, wasn't he? Yeah, by a long way. Yeah, you just expect that they're going to get out of it somehow. And when he didn't, that mm. just, wow, blew my mind. And that mm. really was what set the show ablaze in my heart. But uh, And my love for the books as well. But um, I'm going to choose The Spoils of War as my favourite episode, which was actually in season seven. Crazy. Yeah. And season seven, no matter what anyone says about it, it, Lucy, you said it was fun and it is fun season seven. The problem is, I think we're seeing the effect of how... Too much fun can kill you. Yeah, too much fun can actually damage the next season, um, which is why we lost all the nuance and the character building that we needed Mm. to really nail and stick the landing at the end, and they didn't do it. Uh, But Spoils of War, just seeing for the first time Danny and the Dothraki, you know, on an open field, taking Mm. on the Lannisters, and the special effects. It was a great episode. And the first time we've had a battle that we actually cared about characters on both sides mm. because Battle of the Bastards was excellent and an amazing technical achievement, but we all wanted you know one side to win. We didn't really care about anyone else on the other side at all. Uh, same with Hard Home, same with all these battles you know, with, with the Night King and stuff. The, the, the Field of Fire and the Spoils of War was amazing because we cared about Jamie, we cared about Bronn, um, even the Tarleys to an extent, you know, mm. and you had, you know, Tyrion and... Danny on the other side. So it, it was very, very emotionally... It was hard to pick a side. It was draining yeah. emotionally because mm. you just didn't know what you wanted to happen. But at the same time, you seeing the dragon, Drogon, just absolutely decimate forces was incredible. Mm. And I know we saw it in this season with, with Danny, you know, burning everyone alive, yeah. which, which wasn't well earned. But at that moment, when it, when it was in war... It was earned, and um, it was it was a spectacle and something that I don't think they've ever equaled on the show, to be honest mm. with you. So that's my favourite episode. So before we move on to feedback, I think what would be also fun is to talk about our favourite characters and also the characters that we feel translated best from the books to the show, because some characters came across very well um, and some just didn't. <coughs> You're on. Now... Um, <laughs> Uh, I'll start with you over there, Gaz. Who's your favourite character in the show? Um, not the books, your favourite character in the show and then your favourite character that you feel translated the best. Um, Probably the Sand Snakes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Can't, that that might be the biggest sin of all time. That, that just, oh, Dawn is like the coolest thing ever. Such a shame. Like, mm. And you've got Oberyn, who's just set up Dawn as this amazing thing. Like, people who look at Oberyn just go, oh, I can't wait to see Dawn in the show. Yeah. They butchered Dawn. Like, even in the yeah. books, the Dornish are like the Starks, but they're like sly Spanish. and sneaky. They're and they're just cool. <laughs> the Starks, but Spanish, yeah. 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 The Spanish Starks. Yeah. Los Starkos. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's, it is hard. And I know that this is the very vanilla choice, but... But Jon Snow is like it's like he doesn't he doesn't have to be the best character or the no. deepest character. He just is he's the song of ice and fire and yeah. you care so much about him. Um I I do love him 
as if he was I don't know. He just he feels if you feel very close to him. Yeah. Um but I mean maybe probably somebody who comes across a little bit better and and just has some kind of cooler moments I guess. Aya. Yeah. Aya Stark. Um and probably you know right up until the last moment where she says I'm off on some jolly adventures. Yeah. Just I love that line. Everything everything that she does is um there there's just so much growth and development yeah. and um and I love her. Yeah. And she's got a really cool name. Yeah, very Aya. cool name. And uh luckily if you named your children or any of your children after Aya, um that one's okay. It's just yeah. Danny that you fucked well. or Khaleesi. Um I'm gonna chime in next with my thoughts. Probably the same as Lucy's favourite character. Not anymore. Well, let's let's discard the last couple of episodes and can't do that. Well, Lancan is in charge. I'm in charge. Uh, I'm going to say Jamie's my favourite character, but uh, and I, you know, I just think Nikolai Costa Waldale did a fantastic job. Um, mm, he did. He is an amazing actor. Like, yeah, he yeah. really articulated a lot of honestly terrible dialogue at times that he was given, and mm. and a couple of lines in the final episodes were awful that he was given and he still made it seem amazing. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not, ha- I'm not happy where, where the character went at all. And Lucy, I know that you're outraged by it as well. Yeah. You know, the more I've thought about it, the more I think that in the books that might happen. And um, it's something that George has toyed with, you know, the fact that Jamie does tread the line. He is one of the most great characters there are in terms of he's done terrible things, but he, he, he wants to do good. Um, but he might just fall back into that trap of, of weakness and um, something that he, he's known his whole life, which is a love for his sister. And that's been very controlling of him. And, and although in the books where we are now, it seems like he's forsaken that, I think there is a chance that he that he might even do what he's done in the show. And, and in a way, that is quite a, a tragic ending for that character. And as I said, George writes tragic characters. Um, yeah, it's just obviously... It was it's a shame. Badly done but, in but, the show. But, you know, in life, you don't always get things the way you want them to be. And and that's that's why the Game of Thrones is so amazing, because because these characters have the capacity for good, the capacity for evil, and the capacity to do things that will disappoint you. Um, but disappoint mm. me not disappointingly yeah <laughs> yeah well the way, the way the way the show handled it i think is 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 bad <clears throat> but as we know in the books we we follow jamie as a, as a point of view character so we'll oh, know yeah. exactly what's going on once again and we might be able to mm. you know see what he's actually thinking so jamie's my favorite character i don't think he's the one that's translated the best i no. think i actually think uh like john has translated the best to be honest with you yeah i think he's consistent his character in the in the um in the books is very is a straight shooter he's a stark at the end of the day and it does seem like they've they've sort of followed that path with him mm. pretty well Being so silly. i'd say he's the one that's translated you know one of the best what about you uh, lucy um so yeah jamie i actually he was like my favorite but i also think they did quite a bad job with him at times because they just made him into cersei's lackey when mm. in the books he's sort of fobbed her off yeah. what, a while ago yeah. but i agree with everything you say about actor is amazing um and he's had some great moments but my favorite character that's not jamie is brienne yeah boy brienne yeah. the other half of yeah. the now she has had sword. some fucking good moments that the fight with the hound will live in infamy mm. yeah she is amazing and 
just seeing her development as an actress as well, because I thought she was fairly wooden um, in the beginning. Yeah. She's just she's just great, and she's one of the true good characters, as in she's not good really egg. as mm. black... She's not really grey. She is good. She's noble. Um, yeah, the scene with the bear as well. And the knighting at the, the end. The knighting was one of the Even. best moments, yeah. probably the best moment of the last season. Yeah, it's up there it for really sure. It really meant something. Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, yeah. And I just think she goes through a lot more in the books, um, some horrible things she goes through. But yeah, she's just, I just love her. She's just great. And Gwendolyn Christie is a good egg as well. And yeah, just top marks to Brienne there. Like, um, like, I, I, mentioned, like I mentioned the other week, like her character has had one hell of a run, hasn't she? Yeah. Like she's come from being basically like a cup bearer for Renly to to being a knight one of the main kingdom, characters. Yeah. yeah, a knight of the same kingdoms. I think um, character that translated I think really well from the books is Theon Greyjoy I think Alfie Allen did such an amazing job with him because he managed to really bring in a sense of pathos to Theon and you've really felt sympathy for him despite all the bad things that he'd done great character Um, and his ending was obviously I got very emotional I I, I thought they did that so mm, well I think it was arguably the best sort of arc any of the characters have had yeah he's underrated I think Mm. that scene where he and we love we you know you listeners know how much we love that episode the long night and some of us wish the show had ended there um but his death scene was incredible yeah, well, and even with bran who just, was so yeah, emotionless being yeah, like you're a good Thank man you. you're a good man yeah. and that that's all that theon needed to hear protecting brandon stark yeah in the godswood a Finally. place where he he, he, he snuck home. in and killed a lot of the yeah. you know killed mm. sir roderick and took bran captive and killed the farm boys and sent him into exile all this stuff betrayed rob yeah betrayed rob and and that's all he wanted he wanted to be both a stark and a greyjoy and he was in yeah the end. so and, i think yeah mm. i think he did they did that really well that's one of the, the rare things all, yeah all the torture i didn't enjoy but didn't need to see it but i think um yeah theon alfie allen fantastic job yeah brilliant top top three i think performances in the show for alfie yeah, allen absolutely. big time Great. big time I am. I actually agree with everything everyone said. Um, Theon, yeah, that arc is amazing. Brienne would be one of my favourite characters in the show. Actually, thinking and I've been doing a lot of thinking back on like all dangerous. of the seasons. Yeah. I know, very dangerous. Um, apart from everyone that we've mentioned, I don't want to double up. Um, I early seasons, Littlefinger. I just yeah. really enjoyed the way mm. that he played that and that the machinations and the, the squirrelling around. I, You're not really sure whose side he's on. No, and I, th- I think mm. it's only anyone's. as he sort of reaches the end of his arc in the show, it gets a little bit... Uh, yeah. But actually, I enjoyed him as a character mm. and I enjoyed him at, you know in the books as well. But I think the character that, that for me, that best translated from the books is is, is Sandor Clegane, the Hound. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Hound. I think yeah. Rory McCann very absolutely good, very good nails point. that performance. He his, his, um, you could say he even improves on the book maybe a bit potentially I, yeah. but I think for me it's his relationship and his chemistry with um, Maisie Williams yeah. that, that really makes him as a character and the spin off we all want or wanted wanted too late now the adventures in the riverlands that final goodbye and those moments where there's very little said but the way that they connect with each other I think you really get that in the books as well and I think I think that was the best translation for me Uh, and you know you know we love the hound listeners Uh, John if he was here would tell you that's his favourite character by a mile Um, so I'll speak for him now when we we echo Emma's thoughts there and yeah very good call he was excellent and he actually got the ending that he deserved and the ending that yeah. he wanted for himself. So um, very good shout there, Em. Big, big fan of the hound. Burnt, burnt Alive by 
flames. <laughs> yes. It's all you ever asked for. <laughs> Poetic. <laughs> okay, guys, now it's time to move on to your feedback on Game of Thrones. So throughout this season, we have had lots of interaction from you guys. But unfortunately, because of the nature of Game of Thrones, because there is so much to talk about, we never had the opportunity or the time to have a feedback section. But this is the golden moment where we're taking your thoughts on the end of the season. And we put some social media posts out there and asked what people would change, uh, what their favourite parts of the season were, what their favourite parts of the show were. And uh, we've collected or amalgamated most of that feedback. Not all of it because we couldn't include everything. I think we've got a lot of it in there. Mm. Uh, so this is what you guys have been saying about Game of Thrones. We're going to list out what you've been saying and then we're going to talk about it, basically. Everyone yep. okay with that? Yep. Let's do it. Uh, one of our Patreons, Len Preston. Woo. Go on, Len. Go on, Len. Uh, yes, Len. Hello, Len. Very good name. Very good name. Uh, he, Number one, Len. He was actually happy with the, the finale. So I did say there was contrasting opinions. And if John was here, nice he'd be raging because, you know, John hated the, the finale. Yeah, and John points. hates other opinions other than his own. So it's a good <laughs> thing he's not here, to be honest with you. Um, but Len says, uh, I mentioned in an earlier post that I found great satisfaction for how everything turned out for these characters. John's decision to kill Daenerys was monumental and made Wan's ascension to the throne possible. <laughs> I love that sticking. Yeah, yeah, Wan is sticking. Uh, my only complaint is how easily the lords from the other kingdoms uh, complied with uh, being ruled by Wan. The Stark kids are now in charge of everything. I just heard Arya is getting her own show. That isn't happening, actually. Uh, that was a that was a ru- that. a rumor, but I think I think they've shut it down for now. But it yeah, could I it could it, it could always come back. It could always come back. He said one more thing. I was devastated when Danny burned King's Landing. I felt I just witnessed real people being slaughtered, which essentially is yeah. what happened. Yeah. Um, so I think that um, I kind of agree with Len to an extent here. In which the, one? Len Preston. Yeah, good. Yeah, Len Preston. Best Len. Uh, Len Beston. Oh, good. Oh, nice. (laughs) In principle, I don't have an issue with the way everybody's stories ended, apart from a couple of niggles. I think if it's developed properly, I said this earlier. Um, I'm going to challenge something that Len said here. Which one? Uh, Sorry, I'll stop doing that. I challenge everything (laughs) you say, Len. Len Preston. Um, Is Beston. The... Uh, John's decision to kill Danny as monumental. Did we really feel like that was monumental or I, it kind of fell flat? I f- uh, well, second... You're entitled I, to your opinion, yeah, No, as I said, second time round, it felt more monumental to me. Okay. However, the, the the main issue I have with the John and Danny stuff, and, and, and I'll, you know, just answering what you're talking about there, mm. Emma, in, in reference to what Len said, not me, um, <laughs> is the fact that they never really sold to me or the fandom the John and Danny love story. 
they because of the amount of truncating of time i never really bought the fact that they were deeply in love with each other which no. in the book i think we will get massively yeah once again we're in their heads we're hearing their own perspective the only time i truly believed that john and danny really loved each other was when they had boat sex which seemed very intimate very lovely and they had a very nice com- couple of nice conversations but that love story wasn't really given the time to breathe and wasn't really Not given sure the time chemistry yeah really. they, it, it didn't come across very well so the romeo and juliet the tragedy the mm. shakespearean element of it never really came across and and i think in the books it will massively yeah, come across right. And I think the decision itself is monumental, but the handling of their interactions with each other and their feelings toward each other and the way it was portrayed to us wasn't done very well. That is a much more eloquent way of saying what I was trying to say. Yeah. This, Len. Not yeah. Len that, Gaz? So I think that's the thing. Like, there's nothing... I, I don't necessarily disagree with Len Preston either, Len Best one either, because <laughs> the 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 end result for a lot of them is, is fine, but... Uh, including the the Danny and John story it's how it's about how you get there mm. how it happens mm. and there was just Execution. there was very little yeah there was very little in that episode yeah. that had my heart a flutter yeah. whereas you know when if you if you'd shown me like dot points of what was going to happen in in season 8 I would've been like oh my god no way that's unbelievable I can't wait to see that and instead I was just like meh yeah. Well, that just happened. Very true, Gaz. Very true. Thanks for that, Len. Next up, Ashley Simcoe has had this to say, and this is in reference to Bran, which we, uh, or Wan, as we call him. So I might change all the brands in this to Wan, just to keep yeah. consistency across the board. Yep. Y'all. <laughs> y'all. 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 Was Wan a dick hey, from the beginning? Uh, what's the theory about Bloodraven transferring into Wan? Does that have any credence? And why would he be the best option considering he was entirely omitted for a season? Mm. I don't know. I never felt like Bran. Um, I never liked Bran. That was probably evident. Lol. Um, but if you didn't like Bran, what did you think about Wan? Yeah, exactly. So like Wan. Wan. So Wan. Uh, very good point. And as we referenced earlier, very sinister. If mm. Blood Raven or the Three-Eyed Raven had transferred into Wan then he is this otherworldly entity now yeah, that should not be ruling over the realms of men. Well, we only really had Bran for like <laughs> a few episodes and then since then he's either been like broken Bran or Wan. I think the main issue that they had, and, and feel free to step in here, and you know, is the fact that I don't think they realised until they had this meeting with George around about season four or five that Wan was going to be on the throne. So they hadn't invested enough in some of his supernatural abilities and stuff like that. And then when they found out that he was going to be king, it was kind of too late and they had to like, you know, you know what I mean? So they they hadn't really laid the tracks well enough to get to the end with him. And, Mm. um, but yeah, the sinister blood raven transference thing, I'm with you on that, Ashley, big time. Uh, As I said, he is going to end up turning bad and killing everyone or just being a tyrant, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, next up is Chris Turi, who has had this to say. Everyone wants to blame HBO and the double Ds, the double dicks. Uh, but to be honest, uh, I place more blame on Gurm or George RRM more than anyone. Yeah. He has had years yeah. to finish these books. Yeah. He was too busy collecting checks and getting paid for public speaking appearances to give a shit about how the show ended. And it's a real shame. Yeah. He left his legacy mm. to two TV writers 
writers who do not specialise in high fantasy. I also don't buy the excuses about him writing himself into a corner or not finding inspiration. HBO built him a fan base beyond his wildest dreams. You have to service that fan base. If it were me, I'd be killing myself to finish those books to supplement the TV show rather than leave it in the hands of people who didn't write them. Spot on, I think, Chris. Absolutely nailed that, Chris. I think, you know, we're big... uh, critics of the double d's but as i said in the previous podcast and as we all said Mm. they do not want to be writing game of thrones fan fiction they want to be adapting Mm. game of thrones fiction uh so basically (laughs) that's 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 what they want to do they want to adapt and they're not good writers really at the end of the day they're not going to live up to george uh, isn't that right, guys? They're not going to be able to live up to George's George's eloquent ways of, of of you know writing certain situations, getting characters into certain you know motivational places, all that sort of stuff. I think they you you have to give them a lot of credit for how well they adapted the source material, and that's that's why that's why the quality of the show just drops off a cliff after they run out of source material. And so yeah, you, you can't you can't blame them. That's not what they do. But then I also find it hard to be angry at at Gurum because he, at the end of the day, Gurm. he's he's gifted us with this world, hasn't yeah. he? And yeah, um, you know, ob- obviously we would we want we want the books, we want the books so much, but like without him, it doesn't exist at all. Exactly. So uh, you you know, I, I I just I really hope that he gets them done for his sake as well. Like mm. for him, if his he legacy. doesn't if he doesn't finish his legacy, then what a shame. Yeah, yeah. Um, bang on. But yeah, but Chris is is bang on there. Uh, George does have a responsibility, and let's face it, he has. He, you know, he, for years he did do too many public appearances, and I, and I'm not going to criticize him. I'm just going to one last point on this. Stop releasing other books in the series. Yes. <laughs> Stop releasing yeah. Fire and Blood Part 1, Fire and Blood Part 2, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, which I love, the Night of the Seven Kingdoms, but just focus on Winds of Winter, man. Just finish the fucking book. <sighs> anyway, on we go. A deep sigh from me and a deep sigh to start this comment from Amy Capella-Leach. Hey, Amy. Hey, Amy. I mean, it was fine. Hey. I ultimately liked most of what happened, or at least can get on board with it. There were some awkward jokes that weren't really funny very much. That is mm. that is very true. Mm-hmm. And it was way less climactic than I would have liked. But I knew that would be the case with the terrible pacing. It was just fine. On the plus side, I'm encouraged to read the books now. Hopefully we'll get a better That's ending good. there. I would also like the idea of following Arya West of Westeros for the spin-off. Um, so what do you guys think about that? Nah, no. No spin-off? No. Nah. I don't... I, I kind of feel like... They need to just leave her alone now. Yeah, I, I, I think they could. I think HBO could explore a spin-off in years to come. I'm talking like maybe a decade or something uh, away from now. Um, give it some breathing space. Yeah, give it some breathing space. Let's see what happens. But that is how we felt about the finale as well. Very much flat. It sounds like you were there, Amy, which we also were. Becky Kermit uh, mm. Russell. <laughs> Love that. Kermit. Uh, said, did, t- <laughs> just very simple, did Tyrion actually win? This is what I said when we were watching it. Yes. I said that he finessed it. He you also watched it twice. It. It's a very fucking good yes, point, yeah. Luce, actually. Like, he manipulated... Well, he convinced John to murder Daenerys. He convinced Grey Worm, as a prisoner, to <laughs> crown Bran. And he Ridiculous. became man of the, the throne. He's the power behind the throne. 
Finesse. I'll make that 3-0 to Tyrion. I'll yeah. make it 3-0. Yeah. I mean, it's a comfortable victory. He finally Tyrioned it. No, I mean, it was very impish, and it was very Tyrion from the books-ish. Mm. Now, Considering how shit he's been as a hand to Daenerys, suddenly he turned it all on. Oh, went, he oh, was actually. dreadful. I mean, if in the books, if he's that bad a hand, I don't know what's... I, don't, I just can't I don't get it. I don't, I don't get, get it. it. Um, no, just a quick thought about that Grey Worm moment, actually. I know we've got to get through a lot of stuff here, but there was a lot of talk online about Grey Worm and Missandei being very racially stereotyped in the show and the fact that every time mm. even Grey Worm in a position of power here is getting Submits undercut the white, yeah. by the by the white by the white characters and the more I've watched it actually in on this season that is a bang on criticism and um something that I hope the the show deals with be- uh, the books deal with better than the show did because so. actually they don't really seem to have a problem with race in the books at all but they do demonstrate you know with the slavery side of things it yes. becomes a bit more yes. obvious that's yeah. a good point I should have yep. thought about that it's nice. just interesting well, not nice for no shit I thought I'd throw it in there uh Tristan Ford had this to say Okay, so this is a perfect example of how not to end a TV show. I've watched it twice now, and it didn't get better. I just picked it apart more. I couldn't believe that the bricks were one layer deep and managed to kill Jamie and Cersei. Uh, why even put that in the episode? Just leave it out. Hopefully, the books don't end like this. So many complaints and very good use of some emojis there. Now, man, eye roll. Yeah, I have to say, the brick thing is mental. It's dumb. Watching it the second second time round. They could have stood anywhere else in that room, like you said, Gareth, in the podcast. Just move. Dive out the way of the bricks. Don't show us that. Like, come on. It was, was, I mean, just so they could have the Tyrion (laughs) moment. It's it's one tiny pile of bricks on a very specific place in that room. Ah, dear. Just so clumsily done. Mm. Yeah, you you probably would have. Yeah. Absolutely diabolical. Di- diabolical stuff. Put your hands stuff. over your head. Put your hands over your head. Good point, if, Tristan. Run, yeah, if run. they were wearing a hard hat, they would have lived. Fact. Yeah. So I brought a hard hat home she with had me. That's crown, why. Though. Safety first. She had a Safety crown. Safety first. Yeah. Always remember that. Yeah. Especially down in the crypts of uh, King's Landing. Now, uh, mm. Todd has this to say. Todd Bradley, that is. Hey, y'all. Another y'all. I like y'all. that. I like that. Been listening since your Castle Rock podcast and I've been loving your material. Keep it up. So, Thanks. Castle Thanks Rock the, stuff. Uh, that's, uh, nice one. that's a podcast... Specialising in Stephen King and a show Castle Rock. You can go follow us there at Castle Rock Critical. Also on any podcast apps, but so you know, if you like Stephen King, go check it out. I would love to hear in the Game of Thrones series wrap up what one character you would add or change in the TV show. For example, I would have had Euron be more like Book Euron and not Horny Jack Sparrow. <laughs> Very true. Book, agree, Euron, yeah. Book Euron would have been an awesome villain to develop with all the black magic. So it could have been actually like sinister and frightening rather than just seeming like he'd wandered on from the wrong show yeah it does look like he's wandered across sets at pinewood mm, it just you know just, confused yeah, or makes no sense i agree though about like having <laughs> book year on rather than horny jack sparrow year on which is great oh, well done um i i actually think for me maybe like young griff like yep. having yeah. those characters that underpin Danny's fight for the throne have yep. such an impact that you lose in the show. So I think yep. that would have had a bit of a difference. I would for have me. liked Lady Stoneheart. Yes. Well, yes. Lady Stoneheart. Oh, yeah. I don't so, know how they would have done it, but I feel like she's going to have quite a lot of um, shit to do. implications for both Brienne and Jamie, judging by where we leave them and, off and, in the and, book. And for any yes. show only watchers or shown these, Lady Stoneheart is a reanimated, dead 
Catelyn Stark, a zombie Catelyn mm. Stark who wanders the Riverlands with the ba- Brotherhood Without Banners. Mm-hmm. Beric is dead. He, he gives his life energy to Catelyn mm. and she controls the, the Brotherhood as they go around killing Freys and like hanging them in the woods and yeah. killing anyone that wronged the Starks. It's mm. a great storyline. It's a great storyline. Uh, obviously, it's not really going to maybe go anywhere. I can see why they didn't use her, but... I mean, imagine seeing an undead Catelyn, though, as like an end of credit scene in season four or something. That would have been mental. Yeah, it would have been really cool. And we all wanted it at the time, and we didn't get it. So, but that, very good shout. Gaz, any characters from you, quickly, before we move on? Yeah, mine, mine, mine will be controversial, I reckon, but I loved, in the book, I loved um, the Quentin Martell. Oh, story. yeah, big yeah, time. You're a proper Quentin. Although, yeah. I, I, but I, I do love, I love that. I love that. I love that character. Like, um, well, not character. I love that story. I love yeah. him and his gang of mates and the little adventures. It's like a gap year. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a little gap year to Essos. <clears throat> we all just finished uni. Mm. Um, they go to Essos. <laughs> it, it does feel like Dawn, apart from Oberyn, um, it was massively just fucked in the show. They like, were woefully underused oh, and underplayed. It's a travesty. If anyone. You know, if, if you finish the show and you actually want to read the books now, please do. And you'll see how cool Dawn is. Just how fucking mm. awesome it is. Yeah, probably cool. Um, easily the coolest part of the books. So mm. Quinton's storyline. And Quinton's one of the most average of the Dawnish, to be honest with you. But interesting. I actually yeah. see where Gaz yeah. is coming from. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I like it too. Thanks thanks for that. Thanks for that. And that was a good question for us. I think we had some good answers, actually. Mm-hmm. That was off the cuff as well. We didn't mm. even research that. So knowledge. Knowledge. Not a trick, is it? Round of, round of applause. Round of applause for everybody. <laughs> uh our friend Acadia over at uh, Castle Rock Historical Hi, Society, who's one of our very close podcasting friends. Hello. Um he wanted us to discuss the general greatness of Gilly. And Gilly is a character that we don't really talk about that often. She's quite drab. I'm I i do not know what you're getting at here, Acadia. I don't really like Gilly. <laughs> well, what I'm gonna say, Acadia, is if you like Gilly and Gendry, watch season one of Skins. And season two of Skins, um, which is a British show following a group of like, you know, high school aged kids uh, in Bristol, which is like kind of a pretty cool version of mm. London in a way, isn't it? Uh, London, the cool well, I mean, London's the London. co- yeah, cool yeah, version yeah. of London. Bristol, so. I mean, a lot of people love Bristol, though, Emma. Yeah, I know. But I it's, it's, it's like a coming of age story for these kids and they do a lot of drugs. And Skins go, great. Uh, Skins great. It's very unrealistic um, how I grew up. And if you want to see, you know, the actress who... Who plays Gilly? She's in it, and she has a lot more range in that first season, which was came out like what ten years ago. That show, maybe longer. So check out Skin season one um, if you want some good British teen. Um, I don't know, teen drama. Stuff. Teen drama. drama. Yeah, good word. I was looking for the word there. Um, next, next up is a cool name, Gaz. You're like this because I know you like cool names. Make Muller. Do you know? What I think it might just be Mike. Mike. Could be Mike. Mike Muller. Spelled M A I K. Mike. I reckon it's Mike. Okay, oh, yeah. Mike Muller. Also a cool name. So Mike Muller. Good name. Sounds German. Well done. Very good. Yeah. Uh, he said this. Love the epicness. Didn't like the rushing through epic events. And this time predictable turns. Missed good character development and was disappointed by the last episode. But hey, no, not really. It just wasn't as good as earlier seasons. And as well, as one would expect, it's still very good though. So we have incredibly high expectations of this show. Spoiled. Yeah. And especially as book readers, we, we're going to feel like that. But... I hated some of it, Mike. But I like I like Mike. your opinions. They're valid still. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Mike. And from one Mike to another Mike, oh. an English Mike. So you've gone from Mike Muller to Mike Allen. I mean, this is could both be English. Could, could, could neither be English. Could yeah. 
who knows? Write yeah. in, Mike, and tell us where you're from. Let us know. Please don't. Um, he said this. I thought the camera work and the visuals were all time, but the story lacked depth and reasoning. I would have liked to have seen more Mad Queen, enough so that we felt, felt in all capital letters, the tragedy of her arc, more so than just knowing mm. it was coming. Very true. Agreed. We The Danny turn is the biggest the biggest issue I have with the mm. entire story. And if they had just fleshed it out, given it another three or four episodes, you know, had a whole season mm. of her if we campaigning. Had two whole seasons, yeah. I think everything would have been okay. Imagine if like season seven ended with the long night episode, right? So yeah, sure. so you had another three episodes, they get to Winterfell and it ends the final thing of the season is, you know, Melisandre walking out and dying after mm. Arya kills the Night King. Yeah. Then you have a full season dedicated to Danny's descent into madness yeah. and her characters around her going and, you know... Her standoff s- of Cersei. Exactly. And you have the journeys in between places, the, the conversations that are needed there, the sort of standoff between her and Jon. That would have... That would have really worked. And I think that's that's where the show genuinely has fallen down. Well, hopefully that's where the books go because I think that's the perfect way to do it pretty, in, in your right. Yeah, pretty certain they will. Uh, Mel's Bells has had this to say. Um, I didn't uh, so much mind John going with the wildlings. Made me reminisce of, of Ygritte, um, who I feel was his only real love. Yeah. Mm. She wasn't ever really sold on uh, Generis. Love that. Shipping Generis. Mm. Uh, the season felt rushed, but had the same high points. Episode three, obviously the best. The rest, meh. Theon's redemption was great. The game ball was good. Yeah. Don't really like the game. I on in hindsight, uh, we've talked about Theon already, so that's a bit of um we won't we won't retread we that be, yeah. because as we said, we love that. The game ball in hindsight was actually very good and looked epic. I and loved game ball. Yeah, Lucy, what's what's your problem with Cla Game Ball? I just thought it was a bit um went on too long, a bit anticlimactic. He looked like Varys when he took his helmet off. <laughs> and he's harder to kill than the Night King and I, I just was like man I think by that point I was like I don't give a shit about any of this um, yeah I was uh, a bit disappointed I, I liked it I loved um, it good for Fair all enough. of you I, I enjoyed it mm. I enjoy and uh, <laughs> before we before we finish we still have some more feedback and, and these pieces of feedback are very detailed and I thought they were quite interesting because we did ask people how they would end the show Ooh, and that is interesting isn't mm. it so uh, Michelle O'Reilly has had this to say. Um, first of all, she said she loved episode three, although they really missed a trick not reanimating some dead Starks. Hundred yeah. percent. I also think they missed a trick not hammering, like, having Hodor come back as a white. Not, oh no! No, that would have been devastating. Or like killing someone else major and then having them come back as a white. Didn't you guarantee that Hodor uh, was going to come back? I mean, look, make me a show. <laughs> guarantee. Make me a showrunner. I will make good things happen. Um, yeah. He, she hated the final episode and King Bran and that John basically amounted to nothing. Yeah. I would like to hear, uh, she'd like to hear what our preferred endings would have been. But before that, we, we, you know, we asked her, we said, okay, so, you know, what would your preferred ending be? And this is uh, her preferred ending. The battle for King's Landing happens first and there's no crazy Danny. Okay. okay. Jamie kills Cersei, Yay. then tragically kills himself. Ooh. In brackets, she loves Jamie, but thinks uh, this act would have torn him apart. And that is true. Yeah. I think that, you know. Once he kills her, I don't care. Agreed. Uh, then Arya kills the Night King, but as he dies, Bran dies too. They're connected, a la, you know, Mystic or Skeesis. Their souls unite to become the true Lord of Light. Been orchestrating this, but power weakened until brought together. I quite like this because the Lord of Light, you know, Interesting. not really. 
not really dealt with much in the show now after the, the long night's finished. So soul splits at the beginning. So this is a bit of a description of the Lord right. of Light. Okay, right. So the Lord of Light, his soul splits at the beginning of time to allow himself to allow himself to walk on the earth among men. The children uh, of the forest trap part of him inside the Night King. His other half of soul of soul created three eyed raven to bring them back together. Once united, the Lord of Light bestows divine or immortal powers on John and Danny to lead the whole world in the way of light. They need to stay together as balance uh, to balance as a cosmic power. Without them, winter will return. Sansa looks after the North. Arya, Tyrion, Varys, and Gendry begin the work to rebuild the damaged cities and communities. Not everyone's dream ending, but it's the one that I wanted. I quite like that. I mean, that is interesting. I do like the way that there's a lot of Lord of the Light lore going on there. I think that's I think that's too complex for the show, though. Like, what? How do you how do you demonstrate that? No, it's, I mean, look within the realms. Yeah, I mean, the show the show could never do that. I mean, the book obviously goes into. I'm hoping there's a, a lot more that comes of the Lord of Light in the book, and as well yeah. as I and the prophecy of Lightbringer and everything like that. I mean, we do need to understand the motivations of the White Walkers more, and this maybe would give part of it that you know, if the Lord of Light is tied in with the Night King and stuff like that. But it's a, it's a bit fan fictiony at times. But we love a bit of fan fiction. We say stuff all the time. That's crazy. Mm. Zombie baby. Zombabies. We love zombabies. We, you know, we, we thought Cersei's baby was going to burst out of her burst out of her stomach as a zombie. Don't group us all together. So just saying, that's what we thought. Um, Robin has also been in touch with uh, their ideal ending of the show. So here we go. Robin Aaron? Yeah. Rob, Robin maybe. Aaron, maybe. He got his ideal ending, didn't he? Handsome. <clears throat> okay. In the long night. I'd had I'd have Bran channel the spirits of previous three-eyed ravens to take over Ghost, watching through his POV as he helps fight off White Walkers from known characters. Right. First of all, we're just going to stop it there. Yes, we needed to see what Bran was doing mm, and walking yeah. and if he was in any way influencing the battle. Don't so, show him doing it. Correct. If you're not going to show why he's doing it. Correct. Um, next. After the Night King... Correct. After the Night King kills off Theon, I'd have John John show up, stepping in front of Bran to take on the Night King in an epic battle. Well, I, to be fair, was disappointed we didn't get to see John yeah. fight the Night King, so that's also good. Just as John is ready to get stabbed by the Night King, the Night King notices John looking over his shoulder as he quickly turns to see his lost love leaping in to stab him. Interesting. Continue. Lost love is in in commas, so we're, we're going to continue. Night King would grab his lost love by the wrist, by the wrist, lost in a quick montage of loving and losing his love, remembering that her body was brought to Winterfell centuries ago, not noticing the infamous dagger hand switch move, which leads to his demise. Arya removes face mask, shocking John. So, so where'd she get the mask of his from the crypts? She's getting yeah. that she's getting the mask from the crypts because remember we've always said that a bit mouldy. Yeah, so we did say that you know the Starks are related to the White Walkers in some respects, and we always believed that, right? Well, now he can dry, ride a dragon. I'm not so sure. Drive a dragon. Drive a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's only John because he's a Targaryen. No, I'm talking about the Night King. Oh yeah, he true. Rode a dragon. Fair one. Good, good, yeah. good, good point. Uh, so yeah, Arya removes the the mask. Um, Shocking John. I'd make the White Walkers look more white, like glowing white. <laughs> and it would already be mentioned that only half of Danny's army would help in the battle while sending the other half to secretly watch King's Landing. Yeah, I, I think that is a smart ploy. In the Bells, this is the infamous episode with Danny going Yay! crazy. 
I'd change how she goes mad. Bells would ring and I'd have a montage of her paranoia, believing Cersei to be a woman who never surrenders. She'd go after Cersei. Uh, Paranoid likes a montage. Yeah. Paranoid that Cersei would hide among the innocent. Any short blonde hair she sees, she sets fire to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, I like that. I like that. The finale, so much I'd change. I'd had John kill Danny. I'd had John kill Danny sitting on the Iron Throne. And as Drogon set things on fire in agony, Grey Worm rushes in, put two and two together, and goes after John in an epic battle. And I did say I wanted to see John and Grey Worm fight. Mm. That that would have definitely Very happened. That would have definitely happened, wouldn't it? It's bizarre that they, they didn't yeah. do yeah. that. So such a missed opportunity when they were setting up all that tension between them. Weeks later, they say, John comes back to King's Landing under Grey Worm's control. Leaders from all over who have received ravens about John being the true heir to the to the throne try to reason with Grey Worm. John speaks his peace. Leaders decline his refusal to become king. So John declares everyone independent. John would take off to go further north with the Free Folk, where he meets a mysterious blue-eyed woman looking oddly like a white walker egret who smiles and talks to him it is egret sort of as she has one heck of a story to tell him about the people in the forest the end wow that is some insane storytelling robin i quite like this fan fiction we're getting though i quite enjoy it just just for the experience and i want to see your montages and and i have to say the idea of a stark sleeping with a white walker is not Something that we're, is, is unheard of. It's not. It's in the books as the Night King. The other Night King. Not, you know, not spelt the same way. Who was a Lord Commander of, I think he was like yes. the 13th Lord Commander yeah. of the Night's Watch. Uh, fell in love with a female White Walker and ruled um, at the wall for, for, for years until I think it was, it might have been Bran the Builder who led a revolt of the from mm. the Starks from Winterfell to go and unseat him. Yeah, maybe the, the Dreadfort. Night the Nightfort. The Nightfort. It wouldn't have been it couldn't have been Bran the Builder because he built the wall. Well yes, but we Came also back. we also don't know one. We also don't know about a lot about Bran, Bran the Builder, Builder. But it is rumoured to be him, I believe, Gareth. He could have lived longer than you think. For example, the Blood Raven lived for hundreds of mm. years, as we know. So That's true. very interesting thoughts there. And I like it. I like this and I like Everything that has everyone everyone has sent us this uh, season. So yeah, really enjoyed that. Been put into it. Yeah, thank you so much mm. for interacting with us. I'm sorry if your feedback didn't get in there. We did try to include as much as we could uh, in a time that we had to record this podcast. Um, some great stuff in there. Great fan fiction and good mm. questions that made us think yeah. and ponder the true nature of the show. I'm going to contemplate my own end script and montage. Yeah, I mean, a la Robin. I think for me, I would just like it to end sort of the way that the show has gone but just fleshed out like we said yeah um you know deep in my heart i really want john to be king but i know that's not going to happen and i can understand from anyone who's a fan of danny that her going insane and turning to the dark side of the force or whatever is not is not going to be enjoyable for you you're not going to like that if danny is this strong character that you've believed in but George writes tragic characters and you know, it could be a tragic end I think for the her. only thing that I really hoped for that we didn't get was a, a People's Republic. Well, we do have... We do have the beginnings of it, We have the beginnings of a Republic and, and, and that's interesting in itself. I mean, I, I don't think as a model that the Lords of Westeros will <laughs> adhere to this because for me, the only thing I'd say about the way the show articulated it is 
there's no reason why they wouldn't just go, nah, fuck this and sack it off because they were so nonchalant about agreeing to mm-hmm. it in the first place. They sat this off. Do you know me. what I mean? They were just they like... Just put their hands up. Just put their hands up. I, I, I don't know if I get a vote, but <laughs> I, yes, Davos, you don't get a vote because <laughs> you're not a fucking lord. It's as simple as that. So, you know, that's the only problem with it. I think the general bullet points are fine. The bittersweet ending is okay. I would change Wan being on the throne. Or if he is on the throne, let us know that there's a sinister undertone to that. Yeah. Okay? Mm. Um, I'm sure he will. But in the books, obviously we don't <laughs> okay. know where Bran's emotional yeah. state is going because because we've not got to that point of him being the full-eyed, you know, full three-eyed raven yet. I don't emotion anymore. Yes. Apart from if I'm king, then well, I love it. What about you, guys? Um, I, 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 I can't agree that um, Danny going turning into the mad queen is a is is actually that controversial if you know what i mean like i think that i think that's a great storyline and i can't wait to see it play out in the books where actually the development of it will be made clear i think that's something that's going to work really well it's just how it's done isn't it it's just that it's just that four episodes ago she was regular old good old danny Oh, having going a, back to having the a good time, again, isn't it? Well, exactly. And then just suddenly, suddenly, she's sitting there on Drogon, hearing the bells ring, and that seems to be what drives her over the edge. It's almost like some sort of PTSD where she hears <laughs> bells and she loses the plot. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's execution, execution mostly that is the issue for me. Um, do it better. Yeah. Good point. Very good point. Well, that's it. That's the end of our Game of Thrones mm. coverage. Wow. Ever, uh-huh. because the show's gone forever. Uh-huh. But as I said, we will be using this channel again when Winds of Winter finally comes out. Georgia's promised next year. So that's interesting. Mm. We will be reviewing the books, Winds of Winter. We'll also obviously be turning this into a channel for any of the Game of Thrones prequels. One is already in pre-production. In mm. fact, principal photography, I believe. They've cast everyone. They're filming it. Hopefully next year it will be released. And this will be the channel to find every review of every episode of that new show and any other prequel that will be coming out. There are another three that are officially being scripted now as we talk. HBO are doubling down on Game of Thrones. So... I want to say thank you to everyone who fed back this year, everyone who listened this year, everyone who enjoyed our live reactions and our crazy ramblings and terrible predictions in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also want to thank uh, Emma. You're welcome. Lucy. Thank you. Gareth. And now our watch has ended. Yeah, now our watch has ended. And John, who's still eating lemon cakes, I believe. (laughs) Lots and lots of lemon cakes. Uh, And I've been your host, Len. Thank you very much for everyone who listened for the final time. Valar Morghulis. Valar Doharis. See ya.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.